Hi, and welcome to Thought Bubble. My name's Scott Millward. Here, I'll be talking to thought leaders from various industries, sharing their insight into their area of expertise and creating a thought bubble around the topics that matter. Okay, welcome, Victoria. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure to have you here. This is my second podcast now, so I'm sort of baby-stepping my way into it. Really good to have you on the show. Obviously, I was on your show, the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. You were. So it's good to have a fellow podcaster here who's given me a bit of confidence to go out um, on my own and do it as well. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, no worries. It's nice to be the other side of the questioning. I'm not sure how I'll fare, but (laughs) we're about to find out. Well, let's get into it and see how we go. So, Victoria, we met via podcasting, but also via seeing each other's content marketing, and also the fact that we both work slash worked in recruitment marketing, and also just wanted to discuss it a bit more and sort of speak to like-minded people. So, let's talk a little bit about what you used to do at AMS, Alexander Mann, what you think about recruitment marketing, and sort of, yeah, how, how that works out for you my journey in recruitment yeah basically yeah that old chestnut so going back to i'll go through this quickly because i don't want to bore everybody i grew up in recruitment it's not something that most people get to say um i have uh, a parent who is a recruiter my mother and i've always known about the industry but i promised myself as a kid i said i'd never get into it as you do, you know, challenging your parents. And I ended up going to university and studying marketing, which I fell in love with, marketing and advertising, production, all that kind of creative side of things. So when I came out of uni, I realised that I knew more about recruitment than anyone at my age possibly could because I'd done it for so long, so I kind of combined the two and ended up going into recruitment marketing from straight out of university and to where we are now, which will be, oh, crikey, seven, eight years now, which is a really long time, which it's really long, hurts. It's a long time to yeah, that hurts. I wish I hadn't done that. And yeah, it's been an incredible journey. I've been in-house at uh, Faden International and I've also been at AMS, Alexander Man Solutions, as you say, where I was on the kind of the other side of the fence really as an agency consultant working with bigger agencies building employer brands. So it's been a hell of a journey in the last sort of seven, eight years and I love it. I wouldn't have stuck in it if I didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, employer branding and recruitment marketing is something that I personally fell into. So it's been really positive for me to be able to speak to someone like Victoria who has been there and done it basically and sort of understand the landscape and also get a bit of insight into how you get campaigns off the ground within recruitment businesses, what you need from key stakeholders, both internally and externally in terms of your clients. So yeah, it's been really good to speak to someone that has, you know, been and done it for that long. And how you have those arguments and how you fight those pain points. Definitely. And that's how my show started was educating, empowering people in the recruitment industry. We need more support. We don't have enough. And to just blame other people isn't fair. Yes, there are people at fault for the fact that marketers aren't heard enough, aren't given a seat at the table. But until we step up and start saying we deserve one and start proving that we deserve one, you can't really say anything else. So I went out about six, eight months ago whilst I was at Alexander Mann, looking for how we educate the industry and actually what information is out there to help improve how we approach marketing and recruitment. And I'm dyslexic, so I hate reading. Reading takes far too long for me to digest and understand, whereas podcasts for me were perfect. And I I couldn't really find one. So I started one. 
And it really was about bringing information together into one place where people could learn from other marketers, from people in the industry, about how to be better at their job, yeah. which was really exciting. And the more I did it, the more people I met, yourself and uh, and Glenn and, and many others, is actually how do we how do we get better together? Yeah. I My personal view on the industry is that if we all step up, rather than looking at each other as competitors, we're not salespeople, we're marketers, get better together, the, the entire industry will get better and we yeah. will all improve at our jobs. There will still be those that are better and worse than others but why can't the industry improve as a whole and step into that kind of realm where we are competitors by company but realistically what we're doing everybody needs to know about everybody needs to know what works what doesn't how to be better at marketing yeah 100% I think that sharing ideas is the important thing I mentioned on the previous podcast that ideas are like arseholes and everyone's got one I think it's an important point because it's all about the execution, not about having an idea because everyone has ideas and doesn't mean anything until you actually ex- execute on that. And also being a marketer in recruitment, it is quite a lonely endeavor. Most of your colleagues internally won't really understand what you do or why you do it because they're recruiters on the whole and they're working for today. They have jobs they need to fill today. Whatever your big marketing campaign is, is not important to them. So it's really great to speak to someone like Victoria and sort of build out that community of other people who are in a similar situation and understand what they're doing which works and understand the different angles you can attack things from and that's one of the things is actually you know if you look at something like content marketing we blame recruiters a lot of the time for not putting the right posts out online not saying the right things on social media and actually we know better than anyone else how to use those kind of platforms yeah. and what what to do with them but we then don't go and pass that information that knowledge on to recruiters which means the industry isn't learning from itself you have marketers who know what to do who spend too much time doing the wrong things like and and it's a bugbearer of mine posting lunch club on on instagram and linkedin and then talking about how diverse we are but posting a picture of five white guys or whatever it may be and and that's because we're not focusing on what's important linkedin content for example how we know each other so well is that as marketers the more we do it the more people will believe the message but if you're not the one posting all the time if you're not the one sharing content how is anybody else supposed to know how to do it I think there's a big difference between people that document so I'm at this event I'm meeting this person you know we just smashed our target we're at our Christmas party whatever that's documenting creating is where you involve your community and discuss topics discuss whatever you want to discuss but you're creating engagement around something important rather than self-serving saying what what you're currently doing you're talking about current events within the industry it's not interesting and it's not personable Um, whereas when you create and you actively think about what your audience wants to hear that's when you actually provide some value I think exactly and it's the only information that recruiters think they have is to share jobs we all know that recruiters have jobs if you didn't you wouldn't be doing what you do it's plain and simple but there's actually information that we can all share with each other The problem is that people aren't empowered inside agencies to be creative. It's seen as a time waster because it's a long-term revenue stream rather than a short-term. It may not help you hit this month's goal, but it may mean you're top in the next financial year. Yeah, absolutely. 
And how does your mindset work? Are you able to put time aside every week to create content? And I don't mean create it now. I don't mean wake up Monday morning and go, what am I going to post this week? I mean, look ahead. Don't scramble behind yourself to get the right information, but say you're going to start posting as of January 1st, 2020. Between now and then, collate topics, information, approaches, video, text, whatever it may be, what works for you. Start testing start learning start building by january you'll have enough content for three months you're then ahead of yourself you're never chasing your tail and you're learning more each time it makes it less of a chore or more of an exciting one two three hours a week and you're actually then adding value this is where my problem comes with the posts of new mandate email me out i've talked about it this week Posting jobs can't be the only thing you talk about. Talk about your industry. Talk about the information that you have that you know that no one else has. That's the most important thing. And it's not a secret. That's another thing about the recruitment industry that when you go to a networking event, you're told not to share your secrets, your company secrets. You don't have any. The reality is that recruitment is done your way and no one's going to share that. But talking about how the industry works, what's happening at the moment, isn't sharing secrets. It's sharing my market knowledge that is readily available from any candidate from any company at any point be the person that's willing to step up and tell the industry you send it out on emails to 5,000 people or depends on your CRM limits you will say it on the phone to one person so that's what 100 people a day you may as well put it on LinkedIn and share it to 5,000 relevant people you're yeah. connected with without question and when you look at recruiters who especially work within a certain niche I don't know, maybe you hire full-stack developers or something like that, and you've got 8,000 connections on LinkedIn, which you've cultivated over the last 5, 10 years um, of working in that industry, yet you don't actually provide any value to those people within that industry, or you the only value that you perceive to give is, I've got a job which is relevant for you, I've got a job, I've got a job. Why not discuss the topics which are relevant to those people in that industry, so, so that you can demonstrate that you actually understand the industry, and you're actually a thought leader in that industry? People will then and respect you a lot more so that when they want to make their next career move they'll actually come and approach you rather than you having to approach them it's such a logical thought process that if you provide value for other people they will come to you as a thought leader and also it's your opportunity to demonstrate you actually know about the sector you're hiring for and that's an important thing i wouldn't i wouldn't speak to a recruiter who didn't know the marketing industry i wouldn't i wouldn't speak to them because I wouldn't have the confidence they actually knew what they were putting me forward for. So I think it's important to demonstrate you actually know the sector you're recruiting for and what better way than creating content, video, blogging, podcasting, whatever it might be. And also I can sympathize that recruiters, maybe you won't have time, but why not work with your marketing department to support you with that? I'm sure your marketing department, if they can help you fill jobs and get more fees for the business, I'm sure your directors will be happy for you to work with recruiters to produce content for them. But it needs to be your content, not the marketer's content. Otherwise, what's the point? It has to be your content. But, you know, marketers can support you to sort of mitigate that time you're spending doing it. But it has to have buy-in from you. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's it's something funny. Recruitment sells marketing as a value-added service. It's not seen as an upfront revenue generation stream. It's seen as an added value, which means you kind of get it free on the side. That's not what marketing actually is. And there's no, no way that someone who helps you create content should be seen that way. No. And I think that the perception changes when you become a 
profit center, not a cost center. You're not a value add. You are a central way of, you know, I'm now running talent acquisition campaigns for our clients and working out how on earth we're going to get in front of all these clients, all these candidates we need to hire because I'm a marketer and I know how to use digital channels. Whereas a recruiter doesn't know how to do that. They might know the market of individuals, but they don't know how to actively market to these people about the roles they have. What the recruiter should be doing is speaking to candidates on the phone, interviewing them, doing all this sort of stuff. But in order to get those campaigns out there, that should be the, the marketer supporting in, in that department. That's something that you've spoken about a lot and championed is how marketers can be a revenue stream. It's a terrifying concept when you've never been the person to do it. To have to step up and say, right, I know that I will generate £150,000 worth of business this year. How do you then go about that? All you see is a big number and you go, well, I'm not in sales, I don't want to do that. One, go and find people who can help you, mentors, other people in the industry. I put money on it that if you reach out to another marketer who has that mentality they will help you but actually look at the candidates you bring in through the website the job boards that you manage the relationships you manage the events you run rather than saying that you just brought in a hundred cvs make sure you can track exactly how many of those placed or vice versa with clients how many new clients came to an event and are you now doing business with that money is attributed directly to you there's no argument with that instead of just saying you gave the lead to the consultant and they went and made the money that lead came in because of you and you really have to stand up and be the person that says that is because of me if you don't the consultant will turn around and say that it came from a job board or it came from their hard work it would have come through anyway that's that's my biggest bugbear honestly and that's something to do with connected technology which is a whole other conversation but you need to be the one that stands up for yourself as well and if you're in a company that's not willing to do that dare I say it leave go and find a company who is willing to help you and support you. I'm doing that with consultants. I'm doing that with marketers. I am helping people be better at their job because we need that now. We've got to the point where being a standalone marketer on their own in an agency is such a tough job. You need somebody to lean on, not just to check you haven't gone insane, but to also bring the knowledge and the information you need to be better at your job. Who can stand up and challenge what you do, what your business is doing, because they're not as afraid of standing up to their boss or or being fired or whatever it may be but they can be there to help you build that consensus within the business it's a tough thing to do but it needs to be done with more people of course it is and i think that if you're gonna do truly great work you have to be willing to stand up for yourself if you start a campaign and halfway through it's you know the numbers aren't returning they go oh should we move the spend there or should we really be doing this and go oh maybe okay let's have a different idea and i'm, I'm really sorry and it won't happen again you're never going to have confidence in your own ideas and you're not going to have time to validate whether what you're doing is correct. So I think if you have a legitimate reason for doing something, you understand where you are in the process. Maybe you're running a PPC campaign, maybe you're running um, a new job board um, ad campaign, but you know that you're three, four weeks in and it needs seven weeks for the results to start coming through. You need to have that resolve basically to hold your own and actually say, this is what's going on. I know what's going on in the process. I can appreciate that that comes with time, that resolve. Personally, I know that probably three or four years ago, I probably wouldn't have stood up at that position purely because I didn't have enough experience to sort of validate within myself that I knew exactly what I was doing. I was still trying to work it out. But I think you need to have that resolve that if you're going to do a campaign, you need to have the confidence to see it through and actually be able to say, look, this is why we're doing it. And if it's not working, you need to be able to explain why you think it's not working and what you're going to do in terms of taking charge. Because I think 
when you get pushback internally, people are pushing back not for you to fold on the idea, but for you to actually stand up and validate why you're actually doing what you're doing. Definitely. You're in a business full of salespeople. It's their job to push back, to question, to close. And that's where I think one of the biggest challenges comes because there are two sides to a recruitment company. And actually, marketers find themselves generally on the other side unless they've been in the industry a really long time. If you back yourself and you know that you're right, but you don't want to have that conversation today in front of 10 board members that's okay too you know you don't have to know the answer to the questions right now there are people out there that can help you but if you really want to do something and you really believe in what you're doing then say it it's important to be respected not liked stand up and say it i think i'm right and if i'm wrong we know not to do it again the same goes for every recruiter they make a phone call it doesn't work they try not to do it again and that's what happens for us say that you think this will work you think your idea is right you believe based on your experience based on listening to podcasts doing research all that kind of stuff and stand up and ask to be counted for your work they will respect that and let you get on with it nine times out of ten and that one out of ten that they don't that's how you know you're in the wrong place I think if you get that negative feedback time after time, you're slowly going to realise you're in the wrong environment. But as long as you're empowered to actually stand up for yourself and attempt things, I think the worst thing being a marketer is not being allowed to be creative. When you have an idea and it takes too long to process and it gets, you know, GDPR this and can we do it? And, you know, is this image copyrighted and all this sort of stuff? And it just gets bogged down in corporate BS, basically that's not a good environment to be in because it just crushes any ambitions that you have and you need to be in an environment where you can try things because in marketing it's not always going to work but when it does you have an inbound pipeline and it's suddenly the best thing since sliced bread but you have to be prepared to go through the the ringer yeah the ringer at the start to get to that position I think so Victoria you've slowly sort of moved on a little bit from recruitment marketing you're still doing it but you're also doing other things so we've discussed before about a fairly interesting project you're working on at the moment am I allowed to say what it is you are okay Uh, so Victoria is a producer on the social movement which is a super exciting show which has been filmed out in Montreal I believe. I think you've already filmed... Do you film in the summer? Film season one this year, yeah, earlier in July this year. Yeah, so I'll hand over to Victoria to introduce her exciting project. So The Social Movement, it is a docu-series that will be available on Amazon Prime next summer and it is a show that brings together the best CEOs, entrepreneurs, business people, smart business people to solve the world's biggest social issues that we have at the moment, hence the social movement. So we bring together teams of 12 people from all over the world and it's about diversity of mind. We have so many problems in society right now that we don't know how to solve or we have charities that aren't necessarily built with commercial mindsets. So although they want to do the right thing, they don't necessarily know how to. We're bringing that model and we're putting it onto TV as a vehicle for awareness. These teams are given four days to solve a moonshot problem and season one was things like stopping a hurricane hit landfall sudden cardiac arrest 100% child literacy and solving the global energy crisis they're not small problems by any stretch of the imagination we these are some of the biggest issues that are our planet and our world face at the moment and we're bringing together the smartest people who have an understanding and a mindset that they want to change the world and it's such an exciting project to be working on i still wake up every day 
working with some of the most fantastic people, Chris, Kevin, Molly, the other executive producers on the show. And the reality of it is I've never met in person any of them. I wake up every single day to messages from them. I go to sleep in the middle of conversations with them. But I know that we're changing the world together. Yeah, but it shows you don't need to be in the same room as people nowadays to do that. 100%. That's one of the eye-opening things I had um, moving to AMS. And, and, and even now is Chris, Kevin and Molly all live out in the States and I live in London. You know, we're, we're building a movement together. We're building a business together. We're trying to change the world together. And we're doing that from completely different countries. And it shows that when you are bonded over the right thing, when you know in the bottom of your heart the decision you've made is the right one, that there is nothing that can stop you. Yeah. And that, that love and that passion. Um, I'm going out to Miami for Christmas and Molly lives not far from Miami airport. So we are meeting for the first time just before Christmas this year. That's super exciting for you as well. Yeah, Because you've already built an amazing relationship. I mean, I had a business partner join um, my startup a number of years ago and he's Albanian and he lived in Milan and we didn't meet for six or nine months of working together after he'd invested in the business we then met and it was like had an unbelievable relationship and it was exactly how it was and it just represents what you can do nowadays I think definitely the the fact that we have the technology to be able to communicate internationally the way we do immediately in the moment is unbelievable and we don't use it enough I wouldn't be where I am with this show and with the people that are involved not just out in America but in the UK as well unless I had that kind of access and bring that back to recruitment there's still a stigma for a lot of recruitment agencies where if you're not at your desk seen to be working you're not working which is wrong in fact it's usually the opposite the more time you force people to stay at the desk the less work they're doing the less productive they're being the less information they're gathering and learning whereas actually if you give them the flexibility to have a great work-life balance to be able to put what's important to them first they will work harder for you they will be an advocate for you 100% of the time not just the five percent of the time when they're closing deals and that relates to everybody in a recruitment company as well look at back office if you're stuck at your desk 12 hours a day you're not getting out there and meeting people you're not learning more about the industry you're not understanding what's out there to make things better to make you better you're never going to get better and that applies to the entire company doesn't matter what job you have ceo down to intern yeah without question i mean if you're trying to compete on a adult games of heads down thumbs up where who can sit at their desk for the longest recruitment wins that yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't mean you're the most productive the most productive it's based on your output not based on how long you sit in a certain location so i think it, the world's moved on and personally for me i market the best when i'm out the office two three days a week and i meet people and i apply what i'm doing slash seeing those two days where i'm in the office or i'm at home or wherever wherever i am i'm actually applying those things building those relationships getting new ideas that is where the real value comes from it's just moved on it's so bad for you mentally to have to sit at work you become so engrossed in what you're doing when it only is even if you have a holiday you don't feel like you take a break but unless you've had 
six, eight weeks break where you do nothing, you don't realize how much it absorbs and, and engulfs you where you don't even think about anything else. You can't do anything else. And that's what happened to me. I left intense recruitment and for a number of reasons, uh, and I, en- I ended up at AMS, I ended up with flexibility. And that's where I really realized I, I actually had a problem. I wasn't able to cope with the environments that I'd been in, with some of the things that I'd been through. And it was only because I was hiding from those by absorbing myself into work that when I stepped back, there was nothing left for me to hide behind. All I had was me and what was going on in my head. And that's where it all started to come kind of crumbling down. At the beginning of this year, I was having panic attacks and I wasn't able to cope anymore. I had no idea what was going on. And I've had friends tell me that it was impossible to be around me. And thankfully, they're still my friends and I can't thank them enough for sticking through it. But at the time, I had no idea what was going on. Um, And it was only when I started to seek help, ask... And I really, really had to let myself get to rock bottom because I wouldn't let myself ask for help. And you know what I mean? It's so hard to to go through that and then actually admit that there's a problem. I and mean, once you can kind of, I don't want to say it's ego. The first, it's the first stage to recovery, yeah. though, isn't it? Accepting you, that's a you kind of put your ego in the way and say, no, I'm fine. I, I don't have a... And actually, what I needed was to ask for help. When I asked for help, everything got a lot better. I got the right medication. I got the right therapy. I had the right people to speak to. I met amazing people and I was able to step out of that and say everyone has a problem in some way be it upbringing be it job be it whatever everybody's got something and once you realize that you're not the only person who's suffering or suffered it becomes a lot easier it's a shared weight not an owned weight and you you can really start to be the better version of yourself yeah without question I mean personally I just resonate so much with that so when did I meet you Victoria it was probably what six months ago something like that about uh, that yeah about that so in the last sort of six nine months I've been very heavily producing content on LinkedIn and the stuff which works really well is is really sort of soul searching and it reveals some like personal topics I talk a lot about mental health and things like that it was something that I'd never personally talked about before really um, I knew sort of something wasn't right but I just sort of you know just didn't discuss it it's not it's not what you do as a as a young young guy anyway or perceived to be the last time I actually saw Victoria would have been what September um, we were at a LinkedIn event together I actually went on holiday to Spain for five six days just to have a little break just so I've been so busy with work I knew I had anxiety but I hadn't dealt with it I ended up having panic attacks had basically an awful holiday I thought that my red shorts and my unlimited pina coladas were going to solve things but it it really made things worse to be honest because I think a lot of us are guilty of wrapping ourselves up in work or in family or relationships whatever it is you you keep yourself busy so when you go away and you you know step away from that and you've got five six seven two weeks whatever to sit and be alone with your thoughts you then realize that you need to do something so I personally have started working with a life coach um, since then and sort of dealt with my anxiety and reduced the amount of panic attacks I've been having Um, I think Victoria you've done something quite similar as well yeah exactly and it, it all started from the same thing you you give yourself the space and you realize that you can't cope anymore and you shouldn't 
have to force yourself to cope. If there's a problem, you should be in an environment where you can talk about it. You can reach out to people. I did exactly that. I went to the doctors to get an immediate solution to cope so that I could solve the longer term problem. I needed a right now because I, I was struggling to get through day to day. Once I had the right now of, of medication and knowing what I needed, I then went into therapy. I've been to see a psychiatrist. I went through the whole thing to make sure I was on the right medication, that I was seeing the right people, that I had the right plan in place to support myself. And the moment I did that, everything shifted. I knew that I was in control, that I could make the choices to make my life better. And once I'd taken those steps, I started to remove everything from my life that was causing me negativity that I didn't need. And I wasn't choosing to have, I was just allowing other people to create it. I removed situations, environments. I even went as far as removing people that I didn't believe were right for me, but I just suffered through it because I guess at school you are put with peers, therefore you have to be friends with them. You're an adult now, you don't have to do that anymore. You might have colleagues, you can work with them, but you don't have to be friends with them. And that's so important. You take control of your life, it's yours. You get it once, live it. And that mindset is what moves me from where I was and AMS and starting my podcast, now working in television production. And and that is how everything is so much more positive. I wake up every day so excited to get on with my and, life. And this is the crazy thing. I mean, me and Victoria last six months or so, I would have no idea, you know, because Victoria is so positive, so driven and excited by what she's doing. And it's the same with me in terms of the work that I do personally, but it's because you make the decision to control your environment, not to be, you know, controlled by your environment and feel like life is happening to you. You know, you take that control of the situation yourself and you go, I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to spend my time around people that empower me, make me feel good, all of those sort of things. And it's just inspiring to see other people doing that. And it does take time and it is really difficult. But when you come out the other side, which hopefully, Victoria, you seem to be very close to that, or at least in, you know, in, in, in the process, you know, it's never finished. But making that decision that you are going to, you know, you, you make the choice about what you do with your work, with your relationships, 100%. with your friends, with your family. You make that decision to do good things and, and spend time with people, people you want to spend time with. So I just encourage anyone that's listening to say that, you know, both the people talking here today have, have gone through similar things and have sort of come out and come through the other side of it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, anyone who wants to sort of reach out to either of us, feel free uh, to DM us or whatever you want to do. 100%. But yeah, it's it's um, it's a positive thing that people like me and Victoria are comfortable enough talking about these things because ultimately they affect your work life and you need to be aware of how you're working and how what you're doing affects your mental health. It's just an important thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, for me, there's a lot to be said for this side hustle mentality that, that we're all becoming accustomed to or just having something else going on outside of work and home. Because if you have two things that are the main focus of your life and something goes wrong in one of them, that's 50% of everything going on around you that now feels like it's broken down. And I'm not saying we all have enough free time to do this, but if you really got rid of games and, and crap TV and things like that and had a couple of extra projects going on, ideas, learning, whatever it is, if say you now have four things, if something goes wrong in one of them, it's only a quarter of your life that's been impacted by it. The other three things are left absolutely fine. And suddenly when things go wrong, you don't feel so completely consumed by failure or by fear or sadness. It reduces the impact it has on your day-to-day life. And that, for me, was one of the biggest changes I made, was that I can never do one thing anymore. 
it's yeah. so important to have more than one because now for me whether it's professional whether it's personal it's not about the making money side of it it's about having the breadth of freedom to have a bad day in one area and have a good day in the other yeah. and then it, it just feels so much easier and I think these side hustles they don't have to be work related it doesn't have to be about building some business or True. doing something yeah. else it just needs to be something else which you're positive and passionate about so I've recently been working with a life coach and the main thing that I wanted to work on personally was completely outside of the work realm it was on relationships with people that I want to have relationships with it was also based on basically spending my time doing things that I was passionate about outside of work as well yeah. and that's something I've been working on on the, over the last couple of months and it's been super rewarding but actually making the conscious decision to go and do that I mean I'm sure this this point will relate to a lot of people but I spent the last three or four years working my ass off yeah and you know I've been quite successful at it and it's gone quite well however that's been at the detriment of other things in my life um, which I'm sure other people can relate to you as well yeah so it's sort of being aware of that and you know I'm at the point now where I'm sort of trying to find a bit more balance you can still be fully committed to your job and have a bit more balance in your life so I think it's just important to at different points take stock of where you are not just in your professional life but your personal life as well uh, definitely you don't have to sacrifice your entire life and that's one of the things about being an entrepreneur or being good at your job as so many stories come out of i gave up everything and i stopped talking to my friends and i stopped exercising or i only focused on me and no one else there is some speed to that yes i appreciate it but at the same time you can't do everything and you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to get rid of everything in your life. You can have balance, you can have friends, you can have a social life. You can go out and enjoy a drink with your mate and then be hung over the next day. You don't want to look back. And this is one of the things I have actually been asked this recently. If, if you had one piece of advice, you don't want to look back and say you didn't take every opportunity to be better. But you don't also want to look back and say you just gave up on you didn't do life. If you got hit by a bus tomorrow, if you walked outside and just got happened to get hit by a bus, would you be able to look back and go, I'm glad I made those decisions and didn't enjoy my social life and only worked? No, there's absolutely no way you'd say that. If you live till you're 90, maybe that you could. Yeah. But the reality is actually, if you can find a balance where you enjoy both, you will still be successful, you'll still be happy with who you are, you're getting it right. And I, I truly believe that's the right way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the worst thing to have is regret. I don't actually regret any of the things that I've done, even actually well, a, a couple, couple of, of them. A couple of you. a couple of loose. And messages. that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we're, series. We're, I've, been, I've been caught out with stuff, but there you go. Um, no, you don't. I don't think you generally regret the things that you do because even if they don't go well, you probably learn something from it, and you also know what happened if you did that thing. Whereas you know you can sit around and be safe and complain that you know it's not the right time to do it, or you know money, or family, or you know where you live or whatever it is you know whatever excuse you want to give yourself you're gonna to have to live with that so in business it's called the opportunity costs so the cost of not doing something so whether you make a decision or you don't there's always a, a cause and effect to it um but yeah guys i think we're gonna wrap it up there because uh, me and victoria are about to uh start crying or hugging each other so um you wish <laughs> so yeah 
thank you for listening. Um, I hope you got a bit of value from it. So obviously we went through recruitment marketing, talking about following your passions. So it's a super exciting project with the social movement and making sure that you, you look after yourself, everyone. This is an important thing. We're only, we're only uh, around for so long, so you've got to look after your mental health as much as your physical health, guys. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Victoria, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. No worries.